this show is to equip you with real world leadership skills, help you build your wealth and leave a multi-generational impact on the future. Today's episode 16 is all about, should I partner or not? One of the most frequent phone calls I get or questions are inevitably about this thought from somebody. I get these at least once a week. Hey, I'm really thinking about partnering with somebody. Here's what we've worked out so far. What should I be thinking about? What should I be worried about? What do you think? Is the deal structured the right way? I'm not really sure about this. And then also occasionally or more occasionally than I'd like to imagine, I get conversations with people who are already in partnerships that are experiencing friction that's either just formed or it's been forming for a while. So this episode's all about partnerships. And from the point of should I partner, if you haven't gotten into one, and if you're struggling on one, I'm going to walk you through the same exercise that you'll be able to do with your current partner and hopefully be able to work something out or decide that maybe it's time to move your separate ways or go on and be honest with that. Here's one of the deals. Famous guy, Dave Ramsey. I'm sure a lot of you know who he is. Uh, really awesome dude when it comes to getting out of debt and uh, improving your personal financials. He's got a saying, I remember him saying all the time when I would listen to his show in getting out of debt myself many years ago, it was the only ship guaranteed to sink is a partnership. I don't know why, but I've memorized that. It stuck in my, my soul. And yet I'm a person personally who loves abundance loves winning together. I value partnerships. I have a lot of partnerships. I think almost every business, except for maybe one that I own is a partnership. And even whether we have legal partnerships or not, if the, the folks I work with, I tend to think of them all as partners and we operate as partners, particularly in our leadership team. So I'm a big fan of partnerships. And yet I agree with Dave Ramsey that I don't know that I agree fully guaranteed to sink is a partnership. However, I do believe and have witnessed most of them do, including me. I've had failed partnerships. I've had partnerships that have been the most destructive parts of my life. And yet I've had ones that have been the best parts also inside and outside of business. So let's talk through that. And if you know me, I have this weird researcher brain, like I'm obsessed with finding the patterns of success and patterns of business. So Everything I tell you today and I walk you through, it really is from my version of research. It, it, it really is me analyzing partnerships that, that work and don't work and trying to find the patterns between those. And I have identified plenty of commonalities, which I think is probably why I get that phone call so often, or I get asked to come in and consult partnerships and get paid a lot of money to walk people through the exercise that I'm going to walk you through today. So I'm going to share with you the actual exercise that I would walk through with somebody when I'm hired to consult a partnership or just a friend wants a, a few words of advice and walk you through the formal thing. And you're gonna get for free today and, and hopefully you'll be able to do it yourself. If not, you can hire a consultant to walk you through it. Sometimes it helps to have that intermediary in between. By the way, everything I'm gonna walk you through today, I'm going to share with you as a download. I took some time to formally map all this out, put it on paper. I have the same format I've followed for a long time. It's based on the patterns of success and patterns of failure. And you can get that by going to the link. We'll put it in the comments, but the link should be sethcampbell.com slash partnerships, sethcampbell.com slash partnerships, and able to download this exercise. Like I said, that people would pay, do pay me a lot of money to consult them on. And I'm gonna share it with you for free inside of that. So now 
let's just talk about right up front, like what's behind some of my research. I just want to clarify that for you real quick is a long time ago. And, and it, the funny part is it was before I even started thinking about partnerships too much myself. I just naturally saw this phenomenon. I had friends that were in partnerships. Sometimes they were husband and wives working together. Sometimes they were friends that were working together. And I started watching some of them collapse friendly. Some of them collapse, not so friendly. Some of them work really well. And I was trying to find like, is it about the husband and wife thing or is it about not husband and wife thing? What are the patterns of success? And what I found was it really didn't have to do with husband and wife or friends or anything like that. There was a common set of principles and practices that inevitably traced back to them succeeding or failing. And I just started like obsessively taking those and then going and finding successful partnerships and broken up partnerships and running through my little interview. Tell me what happened. What about this? What about this? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you fight about this? Where did it happen? And, and sure enough, the pattern stuck. So here it is. And I have what I call six filters that I take through. And remember, whenever I say the word filter, really, I want you to think about it as like a decision-making filter and they're in order. So one is one because it's number one and, and you'll see why that works. And what you would do is you would go through these filters before you get into partnership. And if you're one of those people that's already in partnership, I urge you to go have this conversation right now and go through the same filters, go through the same exercise. If you're deep in conflict, you may want to do it with an intermediary for sure, because some resentment may already be forming. As soon as I said the word resentment, if resentment has formed on either side, I highly suggest getting some help in between that and it might be savable, or at least it may be able to be broken up in a fair way or in a happier way than through a court or anything like that, where businesses can get destroyed. So here we go. I'm going to walk you through the six filters. Get ready. Filter number one, most commonly skip filter. And the absolute number one reason why partnerships fail is vision. Now, vision is one of those words that we say a lot out there in the business world. So I want to be very clear to define what I mean when I say these particular words in this context. So in the, should I partner the name of this episode, should I partner filter number one vision is defined as desiring the same long-term outcome. So what I mean by that, it's not, Hey, um, we want to go help people or we have that same like mission on our heart. It's not that it is as a business, where's, where do I see this thing going? How big will it be? Not. And if the answer is, Oh, I think it will be as big as possible. It'll be massive. It'll be huge. Any of those non-specific words, adjectives stop. That's not a real vision, um, predetermined. Pretend you're walking into Shark Tank or a venture capital and they say, how big a business can this be? And your answer is not, oh, it's a $3 billion industry, right? There's a reason why they blow those people up. I say that is you say, I think this can be a $2 million business. I think this can be a $50 million business. I think this could be a $2 billion business, whatever it is like this business, what can it be? And then me as a partner, is, is that what I'm aiming for? Because here's the deal. Is it possible that we might have a $50 million possible business yet? I only really would be okay taking it to five and doing it on the side or 10 and doing it on the side. Nothing wrong with that. However, if you're my partner and you're like, no guns are blazing, we got to take this thing all the way to 50 and we're not sleeping until we do. Do you see how we have a different endpoint, and that's going to lead to conflict rule number one. 
in partnerships is they are a business marriage. And you've got to really think about a real marriage and a business marriage and the similarities between those. They can be five minutes to get in to one and in five years to unwind. It's actually probably harder to get out of a business marriage than a real marriage these days. And it could be a nightmare. So you've got to go really slow on these first filters and they're most commonly skipped. So what's the same endpoint? And there's no wrong answer to any of these. That's, the, that's what you got to really remember. Your answer is your answer and it's fine. This is not to figure out who's right or who's wrong. I think it'd be a $30 million business. Nah, it probably can only be a 10 million dollar. Okay, let's say you're both right. It's not really the point. The point is you want to ride it to 30. I want to ride it to 10. And we get into business together and we're at 15 million. I'm probably slowing down. I'm probably getting complacent. I'm probably checking out. And you're only a third or less of the, you're halfway there to your goal. I'm not gonna be a great partner for you. So that's the point. It is that old adage you've heard about the, I shoot a laser off into space and I'm one degree off, then I can actually miss the entire planet that I'm aiming for. So what happens is we, you and I could say, hey, let's, I'm, we're headed that direction together. Yeah, yeah, we're both headed for that direction. Let's go. The, 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 the issue is if I'm headed for that tree just to the left and you're headed for that tree just to the right, it, it is the same direction, but right about here, we have to split ways. That's a divorce. The, we, we can actually predetermine that there's a divorce coming up. At some point, should we make it that far, we have to split to hit our goal. So now, does that mean we shouldn't partner? Maybe not. The whole point of this exercise is get real, real clear where the incompatibilities are. And let's figure out if we can still work through those now. So it's not always to get compatible. So it's not me talking you in to going all the way to 30 or anything like that. It is, hey. You want to go to 10. I want to go to 30. How about when we get to 10, I have a chance to buy you out or you reduce in this and I'll stay more active and you get a smaller share, but by then it's bigger dollars. So you won't really care. And it's more fair. You see how we could work all that out ahead of time. So it's not always a breakup because we're going to split It is knowing it ahead of time and be able to work through that in an amicable way, because the number one emotion that begins to destroy partnerships is resentment. So I'll give you the shortcut. Anywhere through this exercise, either one of you says, I could start forming resentment on that one. Boom. That's a huge red flag because after resentment is, is all the bad stuff that happens. So that's my little Seth Campbell shortcut. Anywhere you or the other person or other partners may, I might be able to start feeling resentment if that happened. If I'm trying to go to 30 and at 10, you lay off the gas. I could probably get resentful in there right around 15. All right. So that we got to deal with now and figure out, is it, is this a match? And if not, let's, let's agree not to get into business and let's just be mastermind buddies. Let's help each other, but probably not own the same business guy. Let's share best practices. Let's be mastermind buddies. Let's help each other, not get married. That's cool. We'll just be friends. So that's ultimately what you're after too many times. We enter partnership conversations with the hat of optimism, and we're trying to find a way to make this work when really we should, for this exercise, take off the optimism and find a way that it won't work. Find all the ways it won't work 
get them all out on the table and be real about if this is a match or we should just be mastermind friends. So number one filter vision, and it's all about, are we going to split down there? You want to go to IPO? I want to pass this on to my kids. There's a split. That one probably you don't recover from. You just don't get into business together because those are very different endpoints. All right. Filter number two values. Again, a word that's used a lot. I'm going to define it for this exercise. Values are the absolute rules by which we will make decisions. So I want you to think not values as in integrity and morals and character, although those are the influences of the type of value I'm saying. It, it needs to be very specific about the rules we're going we're, we're gonna to make business decisions by. So in other words, you believe in win, win or no deal, and I believe in win, lose. That's probably going to be a problem. You believe no matter what the decision-making hierarchy that the customer's always right, we're going to give them everything they want, and we're never going to argue with them. I believe in decision hierarchy. The employee is always right, and we stand by them in spite of the customer. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But you see how if our decision-making hierarchy is different, then it becomes a pretty serious point of incompatibility, particularly when there's conflict. One of the most popular ways I see partnerships break up is even if they have the same endpoint and they clarified roles and everything, which has come up next, they have this weird way of, or an incompatible way of making decisions. And it's so conflicted and, and resentment forms and the domino chain of the divorce begins. So clarifying now, and I have a, a particular belief that should be no more than 10 rules. That's probably too many. Rule number one probably should be there's no more than 10 rules or no more than five rules. And it, it just needs to be memorizable. It needs to be culture-based. It needs to be like, this is, this is, this is our filter. Like no transaction word our reputation or, or some, this is how we're going to make a key decision. If we have to choose between profit and this, we're going to choose this or that. And we both agree. Like we like to play by those rules and we're going to, we're going to stick to those. We're going to print them and we're going to hold each other to them. And that will be our filter. Now that's filter number two. Let's go to filter number three. Here's the funny part. I'll tell you filter three and four right now. It's responsibilities and roles. Where do you think most people begin the partnership conflict or conversation? responsibilities and rules. I don't know, 99.999 out of a hundred phone calls I get for help on this partnership, or I walk into a consulting opportunity on partners or trying to figure this out or trying to just decide. That's literally where they start to the come. It's every time. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're thinking about partnering and this person would do this and this person would do that. And they come from this background. I come from this background. It's going to work. And this is what we're going to do. I was like, okay, cool. Talk to me about the vision. What do you want in the end? Be as big as it can be. But this person can do this, this person can do that, and then we can work out the deal. And that's the issue. Almost everybody starts here, like everybody does. And, and it drives me crazy. You know, I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just there's so much more. Like employees can do most of the stuff we talk about. So this is, there's got to be something more to this conversation than you can do this, I can do this, so let's partner. Okay, I probably could hire somebody for that. You can hire somebody for that. So should we partner? There's got to be something more to this. Don't start with this. Do not start with, they're going to do this. I'm going to do this. And here's what we worked out. It doesn't make sense. Uh, no, go back to one and two. They're number one and two, because those are the two biggest reasons in my experience for the breakup of partnerships. Almost hundred percent of the time, it's a violation of one and two, or they were skipped or not clear. They left something ambiguous. So now let's go to filter number three responsibilities. 
And I want you to think of responsibilities as specifically which parts of the business each person are gonna, is going to be responsible for. Now, in the, this plays into responsibilities and roles three and four. So work together on these two. And by the way, again, you should not be talking about this. If you've already started talking about this or you're already doing this, don't even talk about three and four yet. Go back and do one and two again. On responsibilities and roles, think about this. Responsibilities, I like to say, are like the business functions every business has. So what is that? It's marketing. That's financials and inside of financials, it may be spending decisions and it may be sales stuff, which then sales and marketing or more things inside of that responsibilities are who's going to decide on new products, new services. There's a point of conflict. I see so many partnerships. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. We don't have the money for that. And now you're interlacing multiple uh, responsibilities because some having to do with cost and profit and return on investment, some having to do with sales and new product lines and divide all that up inside of responsibilities. Roles are more of the activities, the jobs inside of a company that do power some of those responsibilities. However, they're not two things. And here's the easiest way to make the distinction is you have one hat right now, potentially as a partner, and that's an owner hat. And the owner doesn't always work in a company, doesn't have to work in a company. Quite frankly, many of them shouldn't work in a company. So the owner hat is different than the employee hat. Sometimes an owner takes a job in the company also. That's a role. However, all owners have some responsibility. Now, even a silent partner, maybe the responsibility is capital. Maybe the responsibility is shoring up our investor pool or making sure that the company stays on track or an oversight or serving a seat on a board. Like, th like those are still responsibilities. Like they don't have to be like all in equally active or any of that stuff, but there are general responsibilities. And the best way to define the responsibility is no matter who has that job, who has that role, filter number four, whether it's a partner or an employee, buck stops with me. So ultimately I'm going to be responsible for profit and spending and the financial measurement. Ultimately I'm going to be responsible. And obviously you want to divide this based on your different skill sets and experience. Like really not like, Hey, I don't know. There's 20 things. Let's just do 10 and 10. Don't do that. It's okay. If you find some holes here, like neither of us are good at that. Okay, cool. Now we know what some of the early employees are getting, need to be uh, responsible for, and maybe they don't have to be a partner. Maybe they do. However, we know we're going to fill that with somebody else because let's be honest, neither one of us has that great of a skill set on that. So it's going to be an early fill from the outside in some form or fashion. So list all the responsibilities that you think pertain to your business. Think of the core ones about hiring, about financial metrics, about profit, about uh, spending decisions, uh, about new product lines new services, where the business is, branding, marketing, all that stuff. Now, some of those absolutely are also roles. However, the responsibility is above the role because maybe that person is, you hired somebody for that to go drive it, or maybe you go to filter four and you decide to put that hat on and you also have that job in the company. However, filter three is responsibility. So you divvy out responsibilities. Most successful, this is where I, I learned this first is, Actually, when I studied, I got on a, a run of studying like successful husband and wife co-owned businesses. And there was one exercise they did. It was crazy. It was a hundred percent of the time the successful ones did this 
and 100% of the time the field ones didn't do this one exercise, I'll give it to you, is they literally took a sheet of paper, drew a line down the middle, and they, below that line, they listed all the roles, everything that had to be done in the business. And then they started moving them up, my side, your side, my side, your side, my side, your side. And now here's where it gets interesting is, let's say it's a hiring decision. I don't want, I don't want you to unilaterally make all those choices. Well, what is spending? I don't want you to, okay, that's cool. So what would happen is in this responsibilities conversation is we both have a say, you get the final veto. Like I, I want to say in the financials and the spending, and let's be honest, like you're better with spending decisions than me. So you get the veto. I want to say in who we hire, you want to say in who we hire, let's be honest. I'm actually better, more skilled, more experienced at hiring. So I'm going to get the final veto. We both get to say who gets the veto on this particular category, most successful partnerships. It was in the husband wife category. And then I saw it everywhere else too. So that's responsibilities. Remember that's from the owner hat. That's not working in the company. It's like buck stops with me. Like I'm ultimately going to take the blame. Should this category go off track now inside of filter four, that's the roles that's now are either or both or all of us going to put a hat on another hat, a second hat called an employee. And we're going to work inside of our own company. And I'm telling you, there's another key distinction for a successful partnership is keep those hats separate. When you have that employee hat on, don't act like an owner. Don't do that. Don't do that to the employees. Don't do that to other people. You're wearing the hat because by the way, the company deserves to have the best person in that role. And it may not be you today. It may be, it certainly won't be you somewhere unless like you're just that person that's gifted all the way to the big number. However, you wearing that hat, you need to understand I have a job inside the company, probably should get paid separately for that. I probably should have an org chart. My, my job description should not be some weird Frankenstein, 40 different jobs or something like that, that we could never really replace. It should be pretty clear which job I'm wearing inside the company that's normal to a regular organizational chart. And maybe I don't have to get as big of a compensation up front as like if we hired some out the street because I'm an owner and I'm working some sweat into building the business if it's a startup. However, at some point I probably should because I actually need the company to constantly be saying like, Hey, is that our best employee for that? And my ego has got to be out of enough to say, hopefully not. And let's go find the person. Remember, as long as I'm the best employee, that's as far as this baby can go. And if, if I really want this thing to go really far, I probably want to be the worst employee, but the best owner. And I want to go find the best people. So I, if I have a role inside this partnership, we both, or all of us understand, or any of us have a role, let's constantly look at that as, are you the best employee? Don't act like an owner. And how soon can we replace you with somebody better and no ego in that? And by the way, that's cool when, you know, you get a chance to step out and sit in just the responsibility seat, the owner seat, and not so much in the role seat. That's about the activities. So think about that was two distinctions, owner hat, the employee hat responsibilities. Everybody in the partnership probably has some, even a passive investor has the responsibility of funding some capital or whatever it may be, or influence. And, and yet they probably don't have a role unless it's doing a video here or there, whatever you work out. 
Whereas if you are going to take on a major role inside the company and you do it for less money or something like that, you need to work that into the deal. However, don't build a company, hopefully based on you being in that role forever, because I can tell you right now, if you're an owner who's acting like an employee and not getting paid as equal to an employee, and you ever need to exit or sell that business, you probably have damaged it. Because when they do the valuation on the value of the business, they have to go in and redo your financials as if you hired somebody of equal market rate. And for how many people would the business now be worth nothing? So I'm an owner, I'm working for $70,000 in a role that probably the person should get paid 120. We go to sell the business or, or somebody buys in, we got to do evaluation and we got to factor in, really we're supposed to put somebody in there and not an owner wearing the hat. We'd have to pay them 120. Oh, there is all the profit. The business is not worth anything. So understand you want to intentionally set it up like that separately. Now, when you've clarified all of that, this is a lot of work, right? And yet this, those last two responsibility roles is usually where people start and then they go to the filter five, which the terms, like, here's the deal. So we're gonna be 50, 50, or they're gonna put this much money, I'll put this much money. You know, how's the money flow? And my whole thing is determine the, how the money is going to flow and equity, the ownership is going to flow based on those last two, the responsibilities and roles. So if I have a lot of the responsibilities and I take on a lot of the roles and inside of the roles, we're not really going to be able to pay me as an employee. I probably am going to have a little bit better deal right now. If we can pay me as an employee, we can treat that separately or a, a hybrid of the two, then our deal starts to even out a little bit. You also have to be careful about the person who, if, if you're, if you have 50, 50 responsibilities, but a hundred percent role, 0% role, it doesn't always mean we shouldn't be 50, 50 because you're working in the business more than me. You're there every day. I'm not it, that may be, but you're getting paid a salary for that. Then that covers your employee hat. Stop bringing that into the ownership conversation. So you got to watch out for that. So now you work out the terms. What are the financial terms? What are the ownership terms? What is the legal structure that the partnership's going to have? And you want to get ultimately to a, a partnership agreement, operating agreement, whatever is legal for the type of entity you have in the state that you're in. And you need to tie this thing up in a, in as legal as as legally binding, binding as possible after you've agreed on all that other stuff. And remember roles should have less impact on the terms. A lot of people get this opposite. They look at roles like this is what I'm doing in the business every day. Okay. As an employee hat, if you're getting paid as an employee, it's not really part of the terms of ownership because you're getting paid as an employee. Also, if you're working for free, can we stop that? If you're working for free and we know that then maybe we can work a sweat equity into it. That would adjust the terms. However, try to make the terms based on responsibilities more than roles and that end point. What are we contributing? What's a long-term vision, all that. Also go back to number one. If we decided, Hey, we're going to stick this out, but we know that there's a split coming up here at 15 million or whatever, like you want out and go retire. And I want to take this baby all the way to 30. If we can pre-anticipate and we know that split's coming, then th that could, we put that in the terms here. So. At this juncture, there's a buyout or there's this, or this person reduces, or they exit the company all the way. And here's how we're going to pay them out. You want to work out all the details of the term. There's way more than I can discuss on this thing. Get lawyers involved, get consultants involved. There's a, the cool part is in the world of business, it's a million ways to do this, a million ways to do this. 
it's got to be legal and it's got to make sense. And there's plenty of history in that. The funny part is not a lot of books because it's like this experiential thing. Like you got to talk to someone that's been through a lot of mergers, acquisitions, sales, and things like that. So get some help and get some professional help on this one, but make this about number three and four responsibility roles. Final one, filter number six, termination. Oh my gosh, we don't want to talk about the divorce ahead of time. Yes, you do. Because things happen. There's humans involved. Somebody, God forbid, gets hurt, can't do anymore. It's like I say illness, incapacitation, incarceration. Things happen where a person can no longer even cover the responsibility, let alone if they had a role also in the company or they, they just are done. They want out. You know what? I've changed my mind where I like what I've got so far or I'm, I need to leave and go take care of grandma. Like things come up, people change their mind. That's all human and it's totally fine. Where it's not fine is when you haven't accounted for that possibility and the resentment can start to form or the person really wants out. Sometimes I've seen this case so many times, you know, or a very common one is, I really want out of this and not in a bad way. This is something I care about. It's my partner. I love them. It's a close friend now. However, like my heart strings are not in this anymore, but I, I can't tell them that. I don't want to let it down. It's awkward conversation. There's this weird thing that happens. And sometimes that tension is felt. And I can't tell you how common it is that when you go and tell the person, Hey, this isn't working out anymore. They're like relieved. It's almost like you had to give them permission to give up because some people think of that as quitting or something like that. Whereas this kind of takes away all that emotion that the person may try to avoid because you have it spelled out ahead of time. Hey, the day ever comes that this is no longer your gig or you no longer want to do this. Here's exactly what happens. You can sell me your shares or we can sell to the open market. Or it has to be a closed market or I get first right refusal. This is how we're going to determine the value. This is how the payout's going to happen. And there's non-competes or non-solicitation to our employees, like whatever it is, like you've pre-worked all that out and you have this no hard feelings because if you exit really early, then you probably get a lot less. If you exit later, then you get something fair. And I, yet I still need to have enough to be able to cover, insert somebody else to cover your responsibilities where it makes sense. Hopefully an employee at that point, not another owner, but it just needs to make sense. So you would work all these things out well ahead of time on any kind of thing. And just remember stuff happens. Sometimes it's negative. Like the person has something that happened in their personal life that, that draws a lot of negative attention to the company, things like that. And you just need to pre-plan all of those scenarios ahead of time. It's not only this going to happen, but with the world and humans stuff happens. So let's just pre-print all this stuff inside of our terms, inside of our agreement and pre-plan the termination. So those are the six filters. Like I said, this is a much deeper conversation when I go in and I consult with people deeper and I take them through a bunch of questions. Some of this you'll be able to get on the download. I, I put most of the questions on there and the, the ones I couldn't put on there or the situational ones is the response, the digging deeper, the conflict, the things that being an expert, it helps to be in the room where tension enters the room or people start saying things and you got to calm things down and, and work through it and get clarity. However, that's step one is uh, now let me walk through the format. What, what I do is I have both people go through and clarify all these on their own separately. So one doesn't influence the other and talk them into it and then come back together. And we have this longer session of reading your answers, getting clarity, nothing ambiguous. Are you really okay with that? Where would you feel resentment? Get it, put it all on the table. And then we go through third and final step of the exercise. 
And I have a whole series of questions and I'll put some of these or most of them in the download too, that are going through the six filters, but now like from a comparison standpoint, what about this? What if this happens? What if this happens? Are you sure you're okay with that? Are you sure that's the right person for that? Are you sure this, do we align our skills and experience with each, what role or responsibility taking? Do you really have to wear that role or should we hire somebody for that? Let's be honest. Like, so it's a whole series of the, the comparison and eventually getting to that point of, yeah, this is going to work or what? Let's not partner. Let's be mastermind buddies because at the end of the day, partnerships can be some of the most powerful relationships, most fulfilling relationships in life and business, just like they are in our personal life. And when done well or set up appropriately, then magical things can happen and you can make a huge generational impact on the world. And when skipped a little bit of clarity in conversations, the greatest of friends, the greatest people can get so conflicted that they really do a lot of damage to each other. And that's really sad to see, particularly for the world, the people, the mission that they were going to serve or starting to serve and the other employees that may or may not have been part of that and the lost opportunity inside of that. Be slow. Five minutes to get in, five years to get out. Maybe it's time to switch it around. Maybe it's, it's five years to get in, five minutes to get out because I'll clear. I don't know. Slow down this, go through an order. Number one is number one because it's number one. Let me know how I can help you, how I can serve you. Should you take on this in a real serious fashion? Hope you enjoyed episode 16, Should I Partner? Go forth and prosper, everybody. Thanks. Have a great day.